can't be set on the dollar. I think that the dollars will come, but I think in the beginning, your eye has to be set on why are you there? Why are you doing it? Who gets to benefit from what you're doing? And focus on that woman or that girl or that family or that community or whoever it is that gets to experience or benefit from what you're bringing to the table with your business. Focus on that. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by Gusto. So when you work for someone else, you really look forward to payday. But when you become a business owner, you really look forward to finding that great payroll provider. And that's where Gusto comes in. Small businesses across the country love running payroll using Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use and you can add benefits and HR support to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal. It's modern. You might even fall in love with it yourself. Side Hustle Pro listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. So try a demo and test it out yourself at gusto.com slash SHP. That's gusto.com slash SHP. Hello, hello, guys. Welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, I have the ladies of Curly Girl Collective. That's right. I have not one, not two, but five women in the guest chair today. Curly Girl Collective is comprised of Sharice, Gia, Melody, Simone, and Tracy. Their vision is to be a change agent in the beauty industry by connecting, empowering, and celebrating women of color around the world. Their mission is to create innovative experiences that celebrate natural beauty and showcase the best brands for women of color. And they have done so with signature events that have taken the natural world by storm. You may know them best for their signature event, Curl Fest, which takes place annually in the summer in Prospect Park. These ladies went from dreaming up a vision for this business during a potluck in one of their apartments to now hosting the largest gathering of natural hair women in the world with brands like Shea Moisture, Target, BET, and more. Most importantly, these women are dear friends, and they were friends before they started the business, And running a business with your girlfriends is no easy feat. That's why on today's episode, we get into how to run a successful business with close friends, how they each continue to juggle their full-time careers with a major and successful side hustle that is Curly Girl Collective. And you'll also learn a fun fact about my personal connection to Curly Girl Collective and so much more. But before we get into the episode, you know what time it is. It's time for the review of the week. Today's review comes from Coffee Curls Hustle, who says, I started listening to this podcast over the summer and I was dealing with some serious personal issues while also trying to build my side hustle. Michaela and her guests provided so much invaluable advice and suggestions that were practical. Overall, this podcast has given me the tools I need to push myself out of my slump and focus on building a successful business out of my side hustle. I look forward to new episodes and recommend it to anyone looking to build a business. Thank you. Thank you so much, Coffee Curls Hustle, for listening. And I'm so glad you were able to push out of your slump. 
I hope that you are thriving and giving yourself grace through the bad days and know that as long as you keep going, putting one foot in front of the other, everything will be all right. Okay, so you guys know what to do. If you want to be review of the week, just leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts. All right, now let's get into it. So welcome to the guest chair, Curly Girl Collective. What's I'm up? So, what's up? Hi, what's up? Hey. This is a new day inside Hustle Pro history with the first ever group interview. So I'm excited. You guys have really forced me to push my boundaries and figure out how to make it work. <laughs> I think we got it. So... First things first, give us a peek into the life and the team behind Curly Girl Collective. Let's go around and hear quickly who each of you are, what you do by day, and then what you do for Curly Girl Collective. Awesome. So I'll go first. Um, This is Sharice, and I am a vice president, director of corporate communications for an advertising agency. So basically, I lead comms um, strategy for clients and our internal agency, um, whatever way that works, we're expressed or how we communicate to our external audience. That's pretty much um, what falls in my camp in my team's camp as well. Um, and that's what I do by day. By night, I am the lead for um, PR and social media and marketing. Um, I'm in charge of ampl- amplifying the brand of Curly Girl Collective and um, Curlfest. Hey there, Side Hustle Pro World. I'm Gia. Uh, by day, I am a serial entrepreneur. In addition to uh, being a co-founder of Curly Girl Collective, I co-own two other organizations, a marketing consultancy and a business company. And um, I'm a marketer pretty much by day. By day, I'm a marketer as well as being a young Black girl from the Bronx. But by night, I am um, the director of partnerships and sponsorships for Curly Girl Collective. So I have the pleasure of working with all of our amazing partners and sponsors. Uh, Yeah. Hi, guys. Uh, This is Melody. Um, So by day, I would say most of my career has been spent in advertising and marketing as a creative director, really leading the creative vision for um, brands, both big and small. Currently, I am a creative strategist working specifically with small businesses. And then by night, I run our small business. <laughs> so, um, and, and what I do specifically for Curly Girl Collective and, and Curlfest is I'm the creative director. And that really means I own the, the visual um, brand identity and, and how we show up from a, a creative standpoint. Oh. That's me. <laughs> I'm next. I'm Simone. By day, I am in IT. I'm a programmer by trade. Also work in project management. I work for the utility company. Very different from what I do from, with Curly Girl Collective. At night, I am the director of operations for Curly Girl Collective. And I deal with all of the business filings, the finances, the contracts, a lot of the logistics behind keeping the business side afloat. And I am Tracy. And by day, I am also a serial entrepreneur. Um, I like to call myself a creator. So I am the owner of a small company um, called Show Help Creative. And what that is is very similar actually to what I do with Color Collective. Um, and that's been my career 
for the past 15 years, I've been in advertising and marketing on the creative side, but also in activation, which is essentially events and um, sort of programming. And so I do that. I'm a writer. I do travel blogging. I have not brought it, like I said, lots of things in my basket. But by night, um, I serve as the event director for CDC. And what that means is, again, I get to um, think big picture, think what is the vision for whether we're doing a festival, whether we're doing a small, you know, intimate event, whether we're doing something for a client, um, what's the vision, what's the experience we want people to have, um, and how do we put that together to make it happen? That's why I do lots of um, essentially event planning, you know, whether it's a birthday party or a festival with 15,000 people, that's what you're doing with event planning. And that's sort of what I do for, for our group. Got it. All right. So how did the idea for Curly Girl Collective even come about? Hi, Nikayla. I think actually that's a great follow-up question to us each talking about what each of us do for Curly Girl Collective and what we do outside of Curly Girl Collective um, by day versus what we do by night. What you could see is that we all come with a breath and depth of experience in our fields. So before Curly Girl Collective, we already had tons of experience in PR. We had tons of experience in advertising and marketing. We had um, experience in, you know, having, you know, these passion uh, projects and having these side hustles and being entrepreneurs. And we also had um, digital experience, right? So the five of us pretty much came together and continued to pour into Curly Girl Collective and Curl Fest and these events because we saw a need. We saw a need for an event to be held by people for, by by women that looked like us, right? And we definitely felt like we were talking to ourselves or understood the marketplace. So it started as an email thread and there were over 80 people on this email thread. There was friends of friends and one of our friends had just cut all her hair off, Julian, um, who, who you know as well, Nikayla. Yes. <laughs> she just cut off all her connector. hair. Yes. yes, our Uber connector, right? She just cut off all her hair and she didn't know what to do with her hair. She had this big chop and she was feeling you know, not as confident as she did with her her straight hair, right? Because it was new for her. But she knew of people and friends that had already gone through this whole journey, right? They had already cut off their hair and they were going natural. So she started adding friends who added friends. And then eventually we grew to over 80 people in different parts of the world. So there were people on this email thread from Sweden, from Ghana, from France. It was beautiful, right? And we spoke each day, every day about natural hair, what products to, what products to use, as well as, um, you know, there's events coming up or even things that were going on at work. Oh, this person touched my hair. Can you believe it? Or my boyfriend doesn't like my hair. It was what we did all day, every day. And it was such a, a newness to it, but it was so integral and such a central part of our lives. So um, Tracy, actually, she decided to have a meetup where she had, you know, all the people that would talk on, on this email thread that probably met or probably have not met come together. And at her house, we had like her hairdresser there that was doing hair demos. We had um, products that we bought that we knew that we, that we wanted just to offer up to someone else that we thought were great, or maybe it didn't work for our hair te- our hair texture. Um, it was during the holiday time. We had um, like food and like little, like little presents and whatever. So it was a meetup. It was a mini meetup. And from there, 
we were just like, you know what? There's something here, right? So the core of the group, like us and some of the original founders kind of got together and decided to have a, a bigger event, right? To us at that time, a bigger event was outside of the people that were in Tracy's apartment and probably, you know, around 100 to 200 people. But we wanted to create an experience for these people where they we can take it from outside of Tracy's apartment into, you know, an outside experience where we can meet other people that are probably going through the same the same experience that we were going through or the journey that we were going through, right? So um, in us combining all of our expertise in, you know, advertising and marketing and, um, you know, sales and just our passion for this, that was the beginning of Curly Girl Collective. Wow. That's so crazy that it started in Tracy's apartment. And at the time, you know, there wasn't as much, there's definitely a, a natural hair culture developing, but not so much this whole entrepreneurship vibe that you see so much of on Instagram these days. So did you know that you wanted this to then become a business or was it more like we want to solidify some kind of group or organization? I think that's a great question. And I think that at the time, you know, we had like our very beginning meetings. We had our meetings and we were like, you know what, this could be an organization. But then I think a few of us knew that there was a business opportunity there and there was an opportunity for us to be a business or for this to be, you know, something bigger just based off of the need and the, the response that we were getting right? So we knew it could be something bigger. And then we knew there was work that we had to do. So we knew that we had to, you know, formalize the business. It needed to be an LLC or whatever it needed to be. And we needed to figure out, you know, there would be sponsors that we would reach out to, like natural beauty um, companies that we would reach out to that could be a part of the event too. And, you know, there are other vendors. Or so we, we knew that there was something there and it could be a business. But I think at the core, in the very beginning, it was um, a collective, you know? And, yeah. and I think that's so true to our name, being Curly Girl Collective, because it truly was a collective of voices, a collective of friends that were coming together to host an experience that was helping us along our journey. So it was almost like we knew that this was for women, you know, that were created by women that had this connection, right? And we just wanted to serve that need. But we also knew that there was a bigger purpose, you know, or there could be a bigger purpose where we could, you know, formalize this thing and actually yeah. meet each other people. So this was back in 2011, right? So what were right. those early days like when you were creating those experiences? What were the first few experiences you created and what were the takeaways? Our first few experiences were, it's so funny because the first experience sort of mirrored, you know, my house. And so, you know, we were like, oh, okay, we'll just do it bigger. And um, we sort of translated what we started, which was a group of friends, you know, and there's products there and there's a demonstration there and there's activities and we decided to do a wall where you write, you know, what you, what do you feel, you know, what, what makes you beautiful and what do you love about natural hair, right? Um, and in the early days, um, there was a lot of just do it yourself, you know, DIY has become hot now, but back then in 2011, um, we were just trying to figure it out. You know, we were, <laughs> I'll never forget, we were like, for those who were at our very first event, there was this huge wall. We have ideas, 
But when you're a new entrepreneur and you have a new idea, you don't always know how to do it. And so we were like, we have this idea. We're going to put these pictures on the wall and you can write on it or whatever. What that meant was we're on the train with like this huge like phone board taking up half of the train station, trying to get this thing to you know your event or like the other half of us are across town trying to figure out how to get a um, a, a, a photo booth, you know, over. Because, you know, back then we didn't, you know, rent a photo booth, you sort of put it together yourself. So in the beginning, it really was like, how can we take this vision that we have in our heads, you know, because that's part of... Um, what makes us different from a lot of organizations that we really have these sort of vision for unique experiences, but we don't, you know, in the beginning when you're entrepreneur, you're like, okay, let's just make it happen. There's a lot of figuring it out. Um, and I think that for the first few years, actually, there was a lot of, we have stories for days about trying to get equipment to our events, renting vehicles. There's <laughs> just so many crazy stories about how we put together events for the first few years, um, <laughs> which is interesting because people don't know that side of us. You know, they think that, oh, they have some huge company and, you know, somebody magically snaps their fingers and things happen. Right. And I think, you know, <laughs> 10 years down the road, yes, it does just happen. But when you're new, you've rented yeah. a pickup truck and you have director's chairs in the back of the pickup truck and you're driving yourself, you know, right. or you're in the back right. of U-Haul trying yes. to get this couch for this, you know, this chat <laughs> at, at the lawn on Crawfest. So it's like, this is what you do when you're new. And whether it's, you know, an event like Crawfest or it's, a new beauty business or you're trying out a new skincare product, um, those first initial months or years will be a lot of just figuring it out as you go along. And that's what, that's what we did. Yeah. And yeah, we made mistakes and we learned a lot along the way. Um, and every time you make a mistake, you learn and you figure out you do it differently the next time. Mm-hmm. And that's how we've been able to grow is building on our sort of falls, getting back up and trying it again. Yeah. So when were you, you know, how many years in was it before you said, okay, this is great? Because I remember those first few events were free. And, you know, at what point did you say, okay, let's sit down and make a business model and think about how are we going to make revenue from this? Because you all have full-time jobs, right? And at some point, it's a lot of effort and you, I'm sure you want to monetize. So how did you approach that? You know, that's a, it's a, honestly, it's a struggle for us because we, we love the fact, especially in the beginning, that everything that everything was free. You know, we want people to be able to experience what we're offering. Um, and I think five years down the road, you're right. You know, you get to a point where, you know, things just cost a lot of money. You know, when you're throwing a small meetup in someone's home or even like a small brunch, um, your costs for doing that sort of thing are lower, right? So you can, you know, maybe get one sponsor or you just really in the beginning, you're pulling your money together as businesswomen. You end up coming out of your own pocket putting your money together and making it happen. But what, what happens as you grow, as you see us grow, um, it gets to a point where that's just not enough to make it happen, you know? And so, and that was hard for us, honestly. Like we, we struggled with that the first, I forgot, I think year or two was the first time, year or two ago was the first time we, we did offer um, things at, you know, Crawl Fest that you could pay for. Um, and, we've, and we're playing with it. We're learning and growing and learning every year. Like, you know, what can we offer? Because we want to offer something. It's not like, hey, you know, this is a charge. Like, well, what can we, how can we make the experience better um, and then monetize that way? And so I think as we grow moving forward, we'll continue doing that. Like, try to make the experience better and then put a value against that, um, as with any other experience you have in life. But it's something that you have to... And with any business, just figure out, you have to first of all, know your worth. That's just one thing that we would obviously give as advice to any entrepreneur, know your worth, and also just continually try to better your product, whatever that is. And so we're consistently doing that. 
And so that we can, you know, continue doing this because again, if any, any business owner will tell you the overhead costs on any business grow exponentially as you, as you get bigger. And so we just keep trying to find ways to monetize that. And yeah, we, you know, we have jobs and, you know, you work really, really, really hard, you know, when you're a business woman, especially when you first start out. And so you have to find a way to, you know, passion and always, you know, pay you, you have to find right. to make sure that. You know, you're not burning yourself out. There has to be some sort of reward at the end because um, yes. you love, we love what we do, but it's a business, you know? And so we, we leaned, we learn to lean on um, people who can advise us and consult with us. And we're always open to people like that and really appreciate people who have approached us to help us. Um, and yeah, it's been a learning experience for all of us. I'm sure. I'm sure. And I'd love to know, you know, I'm sure everyone listening are most familiar with you guys because of CurlFest. This was an event that came up, you know, a few years into your vision. So how did that come about? How did you learn how to approach brands and to even fund these awesome, awesome activations that you have? Ah, that's a good question. Um, and yes, it, it showed, CurlFest um, was, was birthed a few years into us um, creating experiences. So by that point, um, if, if I can set the picture up a little bit, but by, by that point we had, you know, we had moved the whole vision from Tracy's living room to, okay, we're doing our first experience in this Chelsea gallery and wow, 500 people came and we had um, a, a, what we now look at as an interesting outreach strategy, but I'll, I'll mention that in a second. So 500 people came to our first experience and that was fantastic. And we wanted to continue to build more unique, more creative, not the convention center, not the you know normal um, kind of meetup experience. We wanted to continue to do that. And at, along the way, we were building this collective that Sheree spoke to, right? So our tribe was building, our experiences were really cool, and people were looking forward to the next one and to the next one. So we had, we had at this point, like Tracy said, pulled our funds together, pulled our ideas together, executed them on the grind, on the late night. So we had built some integrity and some credibility along the way. But that first event where there was nothing but just here we are, let's present ourselves, you know, um, in a very professional and vibrant way visually. Um, and so we literally put something together that was a nice looking package and sent it out cold. <laughs> you know, we, we sent it out cold to uh, anyone that we could think of, brands that we all use, what was in the um, swap bin that we were looking at, what was super expensive in the store that maybe we could get, you know, what, what, whoever. Um, and so that outreach strategy turned out to manifest our very first partner, um, who we love, Miss Jessie's Tried and True. And they were our first sponsor and only partner at, um, well, we, ha- we also engaged with some beverage brands and, you know, we, we, we engaged with some other brands too initially. Actually, they were not our only sponsor, to correct myself. We were um, also working with some beverage partners as well, but after that first event, we can, like I said, we continue to build this tribe, continue to build integrity in executing well, in continuing to nurture our relationships. So um, it manifested from that into, uh, yeah, where we where we are now, which is uh, amazing connections with right. dynamic brands in, in beauty and lifestyle and entertainment. So yeah, I'm not yeah. sure I answered your question. But no, you did. <laughs> 
can evolve from there because one, I'm all for the cold reach out. That's how I've approached sponsors. And I don't know about you, but I just be Googling names plus email. How did you go about when you were finding people? And even today, um, well, now I'm sure you have more connections, but it was just that grind, that hustle of just Googling. Um, yeah. So essentially, so I, I came from a background of well, risk management and then some some marketing sales related. I worked with some cool kind of startup brands along the like living social Groupon bubble. So I was able to um, gain some experience around like how to hustle and find <laughs> find information and find names and, and find emails. But yes, essentially what you said, Googling, making sure you're using your um, LinkedIn and um, I'm a... Um, consumer of things like articles and and podcasts, where you actually learn a ton. You oh, learn yeah. a ton in those in those uh, on those platforms about you know everything from sponsor names and who to reach out to to invest, like just there's a lot of information out there. Look for it um, not only in Google, but you can use yeah. sim- simple platforms like LinkedIn. And- and the like to really and get brands come to you guys now. Is it a matter of now you're like having to say no? And is that awkward and uncomfortable? <laughs> that is such a, a great question. Um, and the answer is the answer is gratefully yes. We do have um, a, um, a lot of brands coming our way, and we also still definitely have the call outreach right because each year we're we're looking to elevate our experience. We're looking to include new partners. So there's still a balance actually now, but yes. So um, in terms of brands reaching out to us, it's been fantastic. Gratefully, we've been able to maintain that, that integrity, that great experience. The tribe has grown tremendously with, you know, tens of thousands of people on our platforms and, and on and at the experiences now and at Curlfest now. So yes, we have brands reaching out and we also have budding brands who um, we are excited to connect with when we can. And, and, and they have also been able to be a part of this trail of, of fantasticness uh, um, and, and grow through that experience too. So has it been uncomfortable turning some away? Yes. So it, it is. We wish that we could work with so many and, and um, you know, there's limited space and limited time. And of course, as we think about what we want to do in the future, we're thinking about ways on how to um, expand our capacity to do so. But yeah, great community grants are reaching out. All right. Hey guys, it's Nikayla here with a quick word from our sponsor. Okay. I have a side hustle hack for all to hear, and it's called Skillshare. You want to know how I grow as a businesswoman? I keep learning. There's not a week that goes by that I'm not checking out a refresher class or a deep dive tutorial. And my go-to is Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it. So whether you're trying to start a side hustle or scale your business, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. In the last month alone, I've learned how to set up my email capture landing page on Squarespace and how to boost my email marketing using MailChimp, all through Skillshare. And now, Skillshare has a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right, just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro. 
Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro to start your two months now. Hey, side hustlers. If you have already started your business or are getting ready to, you probably know that small business owners, we wear a lot of hats and some of those hats are totally fun. But if we're being honest, some of them like filing taxes and running payroll, for example, they're not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto even automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Those old school clunky payroll providers just weren't built for the way we work as modern small businesses, but Gusto is. So let them handle one of your many hats because you have better things to do. Side Hustle Pro listeners get three free months when they run their first payroll. So try a demo and see for yourself at gusto.com slash SHP. That's gusto.com slash SHP. Now, I want to talk more, guys. I need to know about this entire CurlFest experience. You know, the first event, the process for that was way completely different from what it is now for CurlFest. And you guys are all side hustling and still putting on this event each and every year. So when does that start? How did you begin to envision it? And then how do you approach it today? That's a loaded question. Um, Yeah, yeah, I'm interested to to hear Melody's take and and, and Tracy's take as as the visionaries, right? Yeah, Yeah. I I could totally chime in. Um, I think one of the things to note about the process is to allow your process to be fluid, right? So something that worked for you five years ago may not work for you today. And like having that pliability in how you approach things, I think is what's garnered um, and contributed some of the success that we've had to date. So I think one of the things that's so key about everything that we've done since we started Curly Girl Collective is that the people are first. Every decision we make, our fans are number one. And the good news about it is that our fans are literally a reflection of ourselves. So a lot of the thought process that comes into like innovating, it's like, what would we want to experience? Right. We're like from the beginning, we're like, OK, we don't want to be a convention center. And, and, and that's OK. There's space and there's room for all of that to exist. But we knew we wanted to create something that infused a little bit of creativity, infused innovation, infused excitement. And a lot of that is what we do when we start out thinking, you know, with Curl Fest, a big driver of it was that our other events were too, the space was too small. So literally we had a brainstorm on like, how can we get more people to be able to experience? Because our hearts would break on the other side when we would put something out and, and we, we were at capacity. So we, you know, and there's, if you were to see the whiteboard for how we came up with Curlfest, I mean, there were, it was like a, a, a tree branch, right? There were so many different extensions in terms of where we could have taken it. And there's still old ideas that we brush off the table and bring back, you know, maybe they come back in a, in a different way. So I think a lot of it is 
Um, like I said, giving yourself time to to brainstorm and shift as the business shifts. And then I think some of it is goal setting. Like one of our, you know, imaginary vision board had Target on it for for years, probably since day one. And it came it came to fruition this year, right? So yes, if you look back, you know, we started in 2011, but I think it speaks um, to the testament that if you invest in something, meaning time, meaning passion, meaning, you know, um, capital, that as long as you have a path and a goal and you, you know, say laser focus on it, you can, you can reach and at this stage, are you planning this like a year in advance? You know, does, is it one of those events where it ends and you're happy, but then you have to immediately go into planning the next year? Day after. Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling, but I wasn't sure. Okay. We give ourselves like a week. Maybe. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Try to go to the beach, maybe. <laughs> um, but it's a constant. I think, I mean, it, I think it speaks to most entrepreneurs as a whole. Mm-hmm. You really don't get quote unquote time off. Yeah. Even when you're off, you're still constantly thinking and evolving. And depending on what experience you're in, that might be the catalyst for you to think of something else. You know, the the five of us as you know, we're also, you know, friends in real life. I quote, I say that in air quotes, <laughs> you know, because you can always say that, Oh, we're friends. No, we're like real friends right. and business partners. So there's instances where we're literally not in a business environment, but it's all five of us. And, you know, friends of ours have jokes because you can always tell when the impromptu meeting starts to form, you know, it will be just like on the side at like any, a party or something. And we're like quickly brainstorming. So I think a lot of it, again, is, um, you know, giving yourself that space mm-hmm. to dedicate a space to focus on your business, but also allow for those organic moments to yes. um, flow in and flow out. And it's so important. Like when that brain, that, that like, awesome idea comes. You just got to, you got to write it down. You got to talk, you got to flesh it out. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like you said, I do know you guys and people don't know how hard you work, even not being in your meetings. You can see, you can see the Facebook statuses and the challenges. And Simone, I would love to get your perspective on some of these challenges. So you guys work so hard and then unexpected surprises come up. Things like good surprises, like crashing ticket sites, right? Or, you know, just unexpected things that happen. How do you deal with these challenges? What are some of the the biggest challenges you've overcome as a group? Hi, Nikayla. Yes. Okay. I can speak to the challenges. So every year we, we have something unexpected that happens at the event or our business. This year we had quite a few challenges that were unexpected and a lot of struggles, and it's actually very hard. There's no real thing that you can say, this is what you need to do to get over it, but you just got to push forward. I think all five of us know that being a part of this event and this business is bigger than just a business. So when we all know that what we are doing serves a greater purpose, much greater than the five of us, then we have no choice but then to succeed. So we have that drive and that determination to push forward to get through because we have, we may have a few naysayers, but we have a million people behind us pushing us forward, helping us move along that journey, move along that path. So that really helps us get through those, those times. There are a few downs, but there's 
10,000 more ups where that came from. So uh, just remembering why we do this is something that helps us to get over those bumps in the road. And speaking of bumps, you touched on this a little bit. Now, a lot of founders lose money in those early years of business. What has been your experience and how are you ensuring moving forward that you are profitable? Okay. So thankfully, Curly Girl Collective hasn't had to lose any money or not be profitable um, ever since our very first event in 2011. So within my role now, I'm basically the budget police. So um, there's a lot of no's and a lot of things that we would like to have and purchase, but and it's quite difficult to say no sometimes, but it's really grounded in making sure that our business and, and our financial goals are at our forefront and ensuring that our company is profitable and sustainable for many, many years to come. So that's what definitely helps us make the decision and helps, has helped us keep us afloat for these many years. And it's hard saying no to your friends too. <laughs> yes, it's definitely hard saying no to our friends. Yeah. And it's just a lot of sacrifice, you know, mm-hmm. keeping us, making sure that the business is profitable. Um, you know, we do what we have to do with forecasting and budgets and, and saying no. And, and, and most importantly, it's, it's a lot of sacrifice that we have to do we have done and continue to do over the years. Um, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of things that we have done without for the, for the greater good. Speaking of the greater good, so one thing I admire about all of you ladies is the fact that you are friends and you are able to run this awesome business, go through the challenges and still maintain that friendship. And I would love to touch on this a bit in this episode because finding the right business partners or working with your friends as business partners is no easy feat. So how do you manage to keep such a strong core unit? I can um I can speak to to it a little. I think um the strong sort of core unit, I think it comes from having a, a, an alignment at a higher level, right? So so much of what we do with Curly Girl Collective and Curlfest is grounded in passion. And I mean, I think from day one, you know, when we started out, there were um, more than five, but actually, you know, Kelly, you were, you were, you were part of our team. And, and I think um, one of the things, even from the original founders, there was a certain level of passion that was still there. Now, what you, you, you can't always anticipate are life changes, things that come up, things that may have you have to shift what your goals are, but at its core, that is the level set that still remains the same. So I think another thing that helps us is transparency, really being able to forge those relationships where if there's a challenge, we can talk about it. And it may not be in that moment, but by the end of the week, it should come up. (laughs) 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 You know, and I mean, we're strong, we're strong, you know, very vision oriented people, all five of us. So the dynamics of that, um, and, you know, everyone has a different perspective, but I think that's what makes, that's what makes the magic, right? Yes. It's having different perspectives all come together, but at its core still is that passion. It still is that mission to, to sort of um, reshape what society's standards are for beauty and to empower our women of color. And so when you have those core foundational things that are exactly the same across the board, 
it's okay that my perspective may be different than, you know, Sharice's or Gia's or, or Tracy's, Simone's, you know, vice versa. And we welcome that. And I think being able to be able to have those tough conversations as well as the good conversations and taking time to celebrate like what we've built is a big part of what sustains us. Yes. And, you know, thank you for bringing that up and shouting out. Yes, I was an original <laughs> member. Fun fact. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> and a good point, right? So I was a part of that first event and in the group for under, in the company for under a year, because at that time, a major life transition happened where I decided to focus on the road to business school, right? And the, the management leadership for tomorrow MLT program. So as founders, as people approach these defining life moments and have to shift their priorities, how do you deal with that? You know, as people leave, do you think of replacing them? And as people know that they want to stay in the group, how do you support them through that so that they can continue to be in the company? Yeah, I mean, really, really good question. And I don't know that there's a, a textbook answer, meaning that's applicable to everyone. But I will say what we found success in is not being um, afraid to reassess, right? So, you know, if you're building a house and all of a sudden you were missing a piece of material, you can't just keep building it, right? You have to, right. <laughs> you have to take a time and say, okay, well, what's going to replace that? Or is there energy or, or, or mindset that could shift from one area to another? Really taking a look at, we've done this a lot, is an assessment of, you know, what we are doing. Are we still excited about what we're doing individually as our roles? You know, some of us, our roles between the five of us that are here, the founders that are here now, you know, we've shifted things, you know, fluidly between the five of us as well. Because I think when you are working on something of the magnitude that we are doing in the time frame in which we're doing. So, you know, we, we couched it as by day and by night. But as you know, like I said earlier, it's this fluid thing where there really isn't a start and a stop. So all of that, what drives it is passion. So you need to be pretty passionate about what you're doing and how you're contributing to, to the business because guess what? There's going to be that turning point where you're going to have to choose um, to do something for the business that, you know, maybe overrides something you want to do personally. Maybe, you know, and you need to be able to feel excited about what's going to be the outcome of what you put into the business. So I think it's also knowing when to ask for help and when to lean on friends outside, where, where do you build that support system? Um, you know, over the years, we've had um, so many people volunteer, like let's say Day of Curl Fest. So many people that just volunteer and help us. And I think those moments and those people can't be overlooked as part of our tapestry that keeps right. going. And, you know, knowing what you do now, what would be your advice for starting and running a business with friends? For example, are there certain um, core company values that you need to establish? Are there rules for working through disagreements? What about taxes and accountants? And, you know, does someone get to suggest their homie as the accountant? <laughs> what, are, what are some advice, you know, top things that you would share with other upcoming companies who are starting businesses with their so, friends? This is, right. So that's a great question. Um, so 
as far as like practices go, there are things that we do um, on a regular basis. We always try to learn from our mistakes and, you know, establish set business rules so that we have consistency across everyone in the company and defining roles. All of those things are important. Um, but I kind of want to piggyback on what Melody said prior with having being being in alignment. And if I were to give any advice about how to deal with some inconsistencies in the business amongst your friends and having to do with all of those things like questions like taxes, you have to have a level of trust and you also have to all be on the same page. So if you guys all have the same vision and the same goal and it's easier to make decisions. If you have a level of trust and transparency with your partners, it's also easier to make decisions to make sure everybody knows that what we're doing in every single task that we do is going towards a greater goal and a greater mission and a greater vision. So we have those things. It's just easier. And, and it kind of encapsulates everything that underneath it, that what you would have to do to make sure that you can make your business as partners a success. Got it. So what's next for Curly Girl Collective? Do you guys see, do any of you see yourself going full time with CGC at any point? Talk me through the next wave. Yes, um, we would love to be able to work full time on Carl Fest. And that is a goal of ours that we're moving towards. And where we see Carl Fest in the future, we want to be able to touch as many people as we can. So we're, we're trying to find ways to make that happen. We're working diligently to make sure that we can expand our markets, expand our reach, find ways, different ways to touch people and, and make sure everybody in the world can experience um, what many people experience in Brooklyn at Curl Fest for these several years. Yeah. And, and to piggyback off of what Simone shared, the, the future for Curly Girl Collective um, and therefore Curlfest is definitely expansion, but it's like we are, we are discovering and have discovered is grander and bigger than the experience. So Curlfest and Curly Girl Collective will continue to build this collective, nurture it, listen to it and its needs and really utilize our, our innovation, our ideas, our experience to fill these gaps. Um, and we're, we're discovering them along our journey. That's the beautiful part about entrepreneurship. And, and when you're combining it with passion is that your, your eye catches to where are the, the gaps where we can fill needs. And so I think to answer that question in an in a overall way um, is, is we're going to keep filling in those gaps, keep keep being the voice of women of color, people of color, and really disrupting, reshaping, redefining, transforming that that voice and beauty. Awesome. Okay, so we are going to transition into the lightning round. You know what that means. You just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Um, and I believe, Tracy, you are doing the honors on behalf of the whole group. So, Number one, what's a resource that has helped Curly Girl Collective in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Um, what's interesting, and I'm finding a lot of other businesses that work um, remotely do this as well. So we collaborate a lot. Um, and whether you work in the same city or across town or across the world, um, we have to use like, work on the same documents. So G Suite and Google, um, which includes documents, slides, presentations, um, all these things that are put together together. Um, obviously, Google wraps up your email in there. Um, sometimes you can do hangouts in there. It's a whole suite of information um, and tools you can use. Uh, we use those literally 
every single day. And so uh, that's something that if businesses are using those or not using them yet, I would suggest it. Um, even when we work with other companies and production companies and partners, um, if we need to collaborate and put similar information to the same document, um, using the G Suite tool of resources is helpful to help if you're, you know, I might be over in, you know, Zanzibar and, you know, Gia is in LA and we need to work on the same document for a pitch. Um, we're able to do that by collaborating on something like Google Slides. And so whether it's slides or documents or a web, you know, a spreadsheet we're working on with our budgets, I think all these things enable us to not be in the same room or in the same building or in the same company. Um, but, but collaborate um, remotely. And that's been really helpful for us. Number two, what's been the best business book or podcast episode or live event that you've consumed this year? Um, but no, and because there's five of us, I think we all listen to different things. Um, on a general scale, I think that one, we've always admired my league's podcast because she drops so many gems um, that we all listen to. And I think that, you know, we individually we picked up things that you said, or did you hear this podcast you talked about? Um, and it's been, been, she's been doing it for so long um, that there's too many to name. Um, I think she's been a great resource for not just entrepreneurship, but just keeping it real about life. You know, she's really great with that. Um, and I also think that in general, we also try to find resources that are inspirational and self-help. And under that umbrella, it could be anything from a sermon to a self-help book to a inspirational speaker. A lot of us listen to those things first thing in the morning. Um, and I think that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you learn that you will get burnt out and you will wonder like, gosh, this is a lot, you know, how do I keep going? I think it's the most point earlier, you have to remember why you're doing this. And I think that whatever you need to ground yourself, at the start of your day before you do anything, before you open your email, before you respond to a text message, before you check Instagram, before you do any of that, find that voice um, of calm or reason or inspiration or passion that will inspire you in the morning, whatever that means for you. You know, for me, I do listen to some sermons in the morning um, or it might be something like my lead, but just think of a voice that will motivate you before you begin the tasks that are needed to do your work and it'll make everything so much easier. So true. And speaking of that, number three, who is a black woman entrepreneur that you all admire and would want to trade places with just for a day, just to be inside her mind? Okay. So I'm going to tell you the first thing coming to mind and this actually surprises me, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you why. So a black woman entrepreneur in the general sense, I'm thinking Beyonce and not because I want to be on stage or we want to dance or sing, none of that. But it's because Beyonce is an entrepreneur that if you follow her even remotely, she is so passionate about what she does and she's able to do what she loves around the world. And so I think that as we grow this business, you know, we're only five years in or seven years in actually, right? Five years in the process. And I think that collectively, we are clearly extremely passionate about this movement and about um, creating more spaces for women to be celebrated, for the beauty to be celebrated. Um, and we know that there is, the need is still there, you know, that in the grand scheme of the world, we're kind of small, you know, people are flying in for it. But I think that someone like Beyonce, who's gone from, you know, a girl group back in, you know, back in the 90s to, you know, traveling the entire globe, and there's people who connect with her around the world um, through her music. I think that that's something that we would love to experience and, and just seeing what that feels like to be able to share your passion with the world in different languages and different cities. 
um, and seeing what people's faces look like um, when you bring that experience. That's something we see in Brooklyn, but we would love to see that around the world. Um, she's someone that has done it in a different industry, but she's done it. Um, and that's someone that, you know, just <laughs> a day in the life would be out there. It'd be awesome just in general, <laughs> in, the of, in the sense of, you know, just, just taking what you love to do around the world and watching her go through her changes in her personal life. You know, she's gone from a teenager to being a married mother of three. And so just seeing her continue to adjust her life to continue pursuing her passion around the world is, is inspiring. So, you know, not a, not a stand or a part of the beehive, yes. but she, she's one of the No, we it. get it. Yes. And <laughs> number four, what's, what are some of the personal habits that have led to your success? Personal habits. I think this goes back to being, um, you know, working with friends, if you're ever in a business with friends, um, a habit is is being a better listener. Um, I think that all of us are sort of A-type women, and which is great. So we're all go-getters. So I think we've learned to listen to each other and understand each other's um, communication styles. And so I think all of us, and not just being for myself, I think all of us have learned to listen and learn how to respond. And that, that works well for you, even if you're on a job and you work in corporate America, being a good listener and understanding communication styles is helpful, but even more so when you're working with friends in a close-knit environment, understanding how to communicate and, and listen um, has been something that has been helpful as we grow um, and expand over the years. And then finally, what is your parting advice for fellow women side hustlers who want to be their own boss one day, but are scared of losing a steady paycheck? Girl, you, I mean, there's so many, there's so many things I want to say, but I think the very first thing is you can't really be in it for the money. Like you can't be there, like your eye can't be set on the dollar. I think that the dollars will come. But I think in the beginning, you have your eye has to be set on why are you there? Why are you doing it? Um, who gets the benefit from what you're doing? And focus on that woman or that girl or that family or that community or whoever it is that gets to experience or benefit from what you're bringing to the table with your business. Focus on that um, and let that lead you and drive you and be what wakes you up in the morning and what keeps you up past midnight. Because again, the money will eventually get there. And if you're one of the lucky ones who, you know, first year out the gate, you're like rolling and then money, and that's, that's great. But a lot of times this is not the case. Yes. And so I think that, you know, and to be real, yes, it is very tough um, if you are the one of the ones who does the leap and leaves a steady paycheck or a six-figure salary to go do something on your own. That is extremely scary. And we understand, you know, what that, what, what that can feel like. Um, but I think that if you are being led by your heart, um, and what you feel like you have to contribute to the world, then I think that um, that will make it so much easier and you have to, you, you can do that faster than you would if you're worried about the money. And the second thing I would say is do it before you're ready. So don't like spend weeks and months and years getting ready and putting everything in place and having this plan and, you know, a year's worth of whatever the books say. Like you have to start whatever you're thinking about doing long before you're ready. You know, I wouldn't say we were ready for Carl Fest when we started. We weren't ready to do an event for 200 people when we started in 2011. We did it anyway. You have to start before you're ready and you'll learn. Um, but in business world, um, if you don't do it, someone else will. And so just start, you know, ask questions, get mentors, talk to your friends, talk to other people in the industry, but start long before you're ready. And, you know, you'll look up and you'll realize you already did it. 
Yes, yes. And one last thing I just want to say, you know, knowing you guys so closely, one of the most distinct memories that I have is after that first event, um, cleaning up the venue to like 2 a.m. in the morning and then all of us going to work the next day. And that is the true definition of side hustling. So when I say, you know, people don't know how hard you guys work, I think so, you guys posted a photo cleaning up Prospect Park this year and I just got that flashback like, oh my God. I bet you, I bet you at least one of them went to work the next day, right? And I also saw a quote recently from Oprah where she said, you know, if there's one thing that she could share with women starting businesses, it would just be to remove that urgency, that feeling that it, it's supposed to happen immediately. And for people who have had a business and have been grinding since 2011, I'm just so glad to have you in the guest chair. It, it's an important reminder for me that it doesn't, it's not going to happen overnight. What the larger vision, the grander vision for your life, when it truly is that grand, it takes time. It takes time for it to get there. So I just want to say kudos to you guys for what you are building. I'm behind it 100%. I'm rooting for y'all and I'm proud of y'all. Thank you. Well, we thank you for even the platform and just being there from the beginning. You saw, you know, you seen yes. it from day one. So, <laughs> and you know the behind the scenes. Yes. It was like the day after the event. So we appreciate, mm-hmm. you know, being able to be here and share that. Cause I think right. that what's important for this community is that we share. You know, there's yes. just somebody out there that's like 10 years behind all of us who's like, well, maybe I can do it too. And I love yeah. that you have this podcast and women can listen and understand that. You know, none of us out here are perfect and none of us really know what right. we're doing. We're all and nobody's story is the same. Like nobody's nobody story is going to be, you know, the exact exactly. map that you follow. So what's the best way that people should connect with you after this episode? Wow. Well, we are very active on Instagram. So you can follow us at Curly Girl Collective. Um, send us a DM, comment. We love hearing from you guys. It, it helps us. It gives us likes and all your feedback is really helpful. Um, we're also on Twitter. I love CDC. We are on Facebook at Curly Girl Collective and on the internet at www.curlygirlcollective.com. Um, and so any of those platforms, please, please, please reach out to us and we'd love to hear from you. All right. And so it's been a pleasure having you ladies, all of you guys in the guest chair. Thank you. Before we go, one more thing. Sorry. Sorry, Nikella. Thank you. (laughs) you. All right. One quick, one quickie. Um, Thank you again. Piggyback on the thank you. But a quick question to the Side Hustle Pro Tribe. Please let us know where would you like to see CurlFest in the world? Yes. Where in the world would you like to see CurlFest? What type of experience would you like to see at CurlFest? Maybe what brand, maybe what person? Let us know on those platforms that Tracy just so kindly said, at Curly Girl Collective on Instagram would be great too. So thank you, Side Hustle Pro. Yes. Good ad. Thank you, Gia. So, Sharice, Gia, Melody, Simone, Tracy, thank you guys for being in the guest chair. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. And there you have it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at side hustle pro 
on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you.